Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus today. We're continuing on our Colossians series. What I'm going to share with you today honestly could be a whole five, six-week series. And uh, so I'm going to, uh, I, I was struggling with it because I, I wanted to go longer, but we do need to end our Colossians series in a matter of time. And so we're still on track to do 10 weeks in this book, uh, even with this today. And so I thought we would just kind of spend some time today uh, walking through this scripture that we're going to talk about today is Colossians chapter 1, 15 to verse 20, six verses. These six verses were written by Paul in a letter to the church of Colossus, as well as in a letter written to the church of Laodicea. Uh, And Paul wrote this letter because uh, the lead pastor of the church of Colossus, the Colossians, uh, was Epaphras, and he went to uh, prison with Paul, went to go talk to Paul in prison, and just gave me an update on the church and said, hey, this is what's going on in the church. Things are going great. But there are some things that are infiltrating the church. And I'm not really sure how to deal with it. Can you help me? And so Paul wrote this letter and, and wrote this letter to the church in Colossus. Never had met the people there. Never had uh, met them. Never been to the church. Never visited the church. And he was adjusting some of these areas in the church. And what was happening in the church was, is that people had, these followers of Christ, had heard the message of Jesus. They had heard the, the, the very foundational truth that Jesus Christ is God that Jesus Christ had walked on the earth as 100% human. He had lived a perfect life. He experienced all of the same things that you and I experience, physical pain, uh, temptation, uh, mental uh, struggles he faced, and friendships, and betrayal, and backstabbings, and everything you faced, Jesus faced as he walked along the planet. And as he walked along the earth, he was crucified in murderer's death. He took all the sins upon himself, was buried in the grave. And as we talk about almost every week, on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now he exists um, as the Lord over all, and in all, and through all, Jesus Christ reigns supreme over all the earth. And so this idea, this simple message was actually called the foolishness of the cross. This message of Jesus Christ that was preached was something that was, uh, was simple yet very uh, uh, difficult to process. That Jesus would come and God would forgive you of all your sin and God would forgive you of all your wrongdoing and all the things you would ever do. You deserved hell. You deserved wrath. Uh, in, the, in the very presence of a righteous God. You and I don't deserve to be in the presence of a righteous God in this room today, but only by the very grace and love and forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I can be here and can worship Him and be in His presence because when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness, the, the, the blood, and the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ on our lives. And so here's the message. That's the message. But what's happening was is that the people were beginning to be taught that it's just too simple. It's just too easy. It's, just, it's no way that this God would come and just redeem you of all your sin. There's got to be more to it. There's got, you got to do more. You got you to be more. You gotta, uh, one of them was you got to add re- religious ritual. You, you, know, you got to make sure you obey all the feasts and you do all these things. Make sure you, you go to church every single Sunday or else God's not going to love you or read your Bible or pray or do good things. Because if you don't, God's just not going to care for you. He's not going to love you. Or this idea, this, this, this idea they would honestly worship angels or these, uh, uh, you know, these spiritual experiences. And so they were searching everywhere for these supernatural experiences, revelation 
distance from God. And we find today in our world today, a lot of us are, uh, we find people are wanting to find this supernatural experience. They want to go to the conference or they want to have the thing or have the revelation or have the healing or have the gold dust or have the angel, whatever it might be. When in reality, we already have the perfect revelation that we need right here in God's word. We don't need to go to anywhere else. You can have it right now in your home, right now, just by reading the word of God and being in the very presence of Jesus Christ and the house of God. And so they were beginning to teach they need to look somewhere else. And then also they were beginning to teach the idea that you needed to, to, to basically just discipline yourself in a way that would make God love you. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to eat for 30 days just to get closer to God. Uh, if I do these things, then God will love me and speak to me. Or man, I'm just going to, I'm going to cram my Bible in 30 days, which is fine. If you want to do the 30 Bible cram, it, it's fine. 30 day cram is fine. But you know, I do it just because I want, I want, I want to just be in a good relationship with God. So I'm just going to do these things. I'm going to, you know, work myself into some mission and reality is that there's nothing that you can do to ever deserve the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And so what was happening was they were overcomplicating the message. And so Paul took these next six verses, which is potentially the most important uh, verses of scripture throughout the Bible talking about Jesus. In fact, it's considered to be the most Christological scripture, theologically um, uh, uh, deep scripture about Christ of anywhere else in scripture. These six verses, Paul identifies five kind of ideas about Jesus, and he's wanting to bring them back to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. If you've been at church for a while, the five things I'm going to say to you aren't going to be a big surprise to you. And so you might look at those things and think, oh yeah, I know that. But here's the thing. Our minds are so limited, our brains truly cannot grasp the immensity and the reality of God. This God is so big and God is so enormous, you and I will never, ever, ever be able to wrap our little human minds around the bigness of God. And so what happens is, is we talk about these five very basic things to us and think, oh, I know that, I get that. Oh, and we kind of just tune out a little bit to think, I got that. But the truth is, hear me, you don't. You might have scratched the surface. You might have just maybe heard it in Bible uh, Bible class or in Sunday school, but what I'm talking about today is a way for you the mo- the, to understand Christ better, and the more you understand Christ, the more you understand yourself, the more you understand yourself, the more you live a life of purpose and value, and so I want you to know today, don't write off the things I share with you because, oh, I know this. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself afresh to us. Jesus, will you show us yourself afresh this morning? And as we learn you better, and as we grow in you better, we won't look to other things to fill the gap in our life. And we won't, you know, buffet our bodies to make God love us. Or we won't add all this religion in our life, do goodism just to make God love us. We won't be searching elsewhere. We'll just, man, I'm just going to keep my focus on Jesus. I'm just going to keep my attention on Christ. Amen. He is the chief cornerstone of the church in my life. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to know Jesus better. I'm going to study Jesus. I'm going to learn more about Christ. I'm going to ask him to reveal himself to me. The more you know about Jesus, the more you grow in the, in the knowledge of Jesus, the more you will experience everything Christ intended for your life. And so let's read these scriptures together in Colossians chapter one. You can open your Bible if you want, your phone, or you can read it on the screen. I'm reading the NLT, the New Living Translation, in Colossians uh, chapter one, verse 15. There it is. Look at this. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so what we're going to look at, five things that Paul identifies in Scripture about the greatness of Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. Very, uh, very clear in Scripture that Jesus is God. Jesus is great because Jesus is God. Now, you say, Ryan, I know that. But the, heart, the reality is that nowadays in Christendom, I find there are many people who can accept the idea that Jesus was good and accept the idea that Jesus was human. But sometimes we struggle to accept that Jesus Christ was God. There is no other way to heaven except through him, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And it's important we understand this reality today that Jesus is God. He is the true image of the invisible God. No man has ever seen God. John chapter 118 says this, that no, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus is not a historical figure, just a historical figure, not just a great teacher, not just a great prophet, not just a great person that walked on the earth. Jesus is the exact character and imprint of the image of the very person of God. When you see Jesus, when you read about Jesus, you are seeing and reading about God. When you walk outside and you feel the, the, the light or the sun on your body, you are uh, feeling, the, you're not touching the sun but you are feeling the, the radiation of the core of the sun 93 million miles away. So when you walk outside, you are feeling a manifestation of the core of the sun on your skin 93 million miles away. And in the same way, we are experiencing the very manifestation, the very core, the very essence, the very nuance of who God is through Christ. It says that he is the firstborn over all creation. The word firstborn here, a lot of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses base their religion on the fact that Jesus was a created being. This is the scripture they would use. Notice it says firstborn, not first created. Because in that culture, when you uh, identified the firstborn, the firstborn wasn't always the first to be born. The firstborn was considered those of the family who had taken the leadership role of the family. All throughout scripture, we see different uh, children in a family who had taken the firstborn role, but were not the firstborn. The point of, of Paul writing this is to say that Jesus is supreme and first over all. He is the first place. He existed before there was time, before there was matter, before anything had existed, God was. Jesus existed before all of creation. Jesus is the preexistent one. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the creator. Jesus is great because he created all things. I told you, you're gonna be like, oh, I've heard this before. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now as you're listening to reveal something to you about Christ that you had never known before. He's the creator. In him, all things were created. 
He created everything that we see and everything we don't see, the invisible and the invisible. Jesus is the creator overall. Jesus makes things. Jesus plans things. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He is not only the architect, but he's the builder. It's not only his plan. He thinks it through. He has the ideas. He has a, a perspective of what he wants it to look like. But he's also the same God who puts it into action. He puts it into place. God does both. He has the idea and he implements that reality. Now, this is really important you understand that all things have been created by God. How many things? All things. This is why it's important. Creation theology has taken a big back seat in our perspective. There's a lot of Christians today who are, who are trying to figure out this creation theology thing. And they're spending all their time trying to figure out how many days did God create the earth? And how many millions of years or thousands of years is the earth? I want to tell you today, those are just distractions and speculations. The bottom of the line is this. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says it was in seven days. Who knows how long that was? All we know is it was seven days in the mind of God. What happens is, is that you and I get distracted in this creation theology. It is actually one of the most important theologies for you as a Christian. And many of us today are treating, it, uh, treating evolution and the idea of that it just came from nowhere as a potential reality in our thinking. Because we can't prove it. And what we do is we spend time trying to prove the creation was by God, but in reality, it's an acceptance of faith in his word. And yes, there's a lot of evidence and a lot of things, and those are always fun to look at. But I want you to know something today, that if, if, if uh, creation was not created by a creator, there is no purpose to life. There is no purpose to anything in this life if it was not created by a great designer. You and I have to believe this because if you believe, listen, if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, you will begin to believe that I have purpose in my life. How something started determines its purpose. You are not an accident. You did not just bang, come into existence. You have a purpose. God has a design. God created you. And many people today as followers of Jesus Christ say, Ryan, I don't know my purpose. I want to tell you today, the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, the fact that Jesus was there before time and that Jesus has a personal relationship with you says you have a purpose and you can find your purpose in Christ. Man, it's crazy how many Christians today, how many followers of Christ are running around aimless in their life. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going to go. And I, I recognize the struggle in your 20s and your 30s at times to figure out what life's going to, be, what life's going to you know, come, what's going to come in my life. But I want you to hear me today. God, Jesus created the heavens and the earth, and you have a purpose. And you find all of your purpose in Christ. Look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 1 in the message paraphrase. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. It's in Christ we find out what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. We have, if we believe that he created the heavens and the earth, we believe that God has a purpose for our lives. And if God has a purpose for our lives, guess what? He is creating something in your life right now. 
He is working right now in your life. You might look at your life and think, man, I don't understand. It doesn't feel like anything's happening. It feels like life's boring right now or life has no purpose right now. Or, man, I've hit a, a brick wall in my relationships. Or man, my job isn't bringing me fulfillment. Or man, I feel like God's left me high and dry. I feel like nothing's going on in my life. I am here to tell you today that if Jesus is the creator of all things, he not only created the universe, but he created something in you and he's doing something in your life right now. God is working in you right now with a purpose right now. Look what it says in the scripture, Philippians, for God is working in you. So I don't feel it. doesn't matter how you feel. He's working. Well, I don't see it. It doesn't matter how your vision's off. He's working. Well, my emotions just doesn't feel like, listen, God is working. He's a creator. He has a design. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. And God is working in it. You say, Ryan, why is it not working out? Well, two things. Firstly, I would check your own heart. The issue isn't in, is God working? The issue is our eyesight and our heart. Are we responding? When God works, do we respond? When God begins to call us towards something, do we say yes? When he begins to cut, do we allow it? See, God's working, but we have a part to play. You might feel like, man, God, I just want to go this direction, but it's not working out. Could it be that God's not working you in that direction? Well, God, this door keeps getting shut. Maybe God wants to open a new door. Well, this relationship's not working out. Well, if you're married, stay married. But if you're not, maybe God doesn't want you in that marriage. Pastor told me to get divorced. No, that's not what I said. We have to work with him because he's working with us. And if there's, this, is, this word here, it's the same word used in that creative idea of God, that the creative nature of God, he's working in you. He's establishing in you. He's stirring in you. He's working in your life. Why? To give you the desire, to give you a passion that, that pleases the Lord, to give you a capacity that isn't on your own strength. You say, Ryan, I'm so overwhelmed with life. Well, maybe you're doing things in your own strength. Well, Ryan, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing so many good things. Well, maybe they're not God things. Maybe they're just good. He's trying to give you a power and a capacity to do what pleases him. We have to remember that if we believe that Jesus created the heavens and the earth, he didn't just quit and step back. He's actively involved in our life right now. He's working in us right now. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 3.20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He's working. He's the creator. It's not just about this, you know, this, I was looking at the moon while driving uh, the other night on my motorcycle. I was riding my motorcycle, praise God. And I was looking at the moon and I thought, my God, like every time I look at the moon, I'm reminded of how small I am. And it's a reminder to me that God, you're just face to face with me. You're breath to breath. You're involved. You're working. You're present. You're here right now working in my life. I feel so small when I look at that moon and the, the, the light on the moon isn't even from the moon, it's from the sun. That just boggles my mind that it's a reflection of the sun. And I just, I'm reminded, he's working, he's involved, he's working, he's working in the small details. You say, Ryan, my life's falling apart. Well, maybe God's working in it. 
or I, I'm discouraged and frustrated and think maybe God's working. And maybe there's a testing of your faith. He's working in your life. There's something behind it. He's working in your life. Don't forget, he's working for your good. He's working for your life. He's creating and he's working and he's establishing and he's doing a new thing. Forget about the former things. There's a new thing. His mercies are new with the rising of the sun. So every single day he pours out his mercy on you and he says, okay, let's try it again. God, I failed yesterday. It's okay. You're a new creation. Let's start again. He's creating. He's doing something new in you. Here's the third one. Scripture talks about him being the timeless one. He's the sustainer. Look what it says. It says that he is before all things. Time has no relationship to God. Time is, is, is something that God created that exists it exists in this idea here, but God exists around time. God does not live within time. He ministers in time. He's involved in time, but God is outside of time. And often we get so frustrated with our lives when things don't happen on time, but we forget God exists outside of time. He's not on our clock. He's not on our schedule. He's on his time. He is timeless. So when something feels like it's not coming together, we say, God, where are you? You're not on time. He says, what's this time you speak of? <laughs> Look what it says in 2 Peter. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, your brothers and sisters, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Look what Paul said here in Hebrews. Through the Son, he created the universe. This word universe is actually the word world's. If you look at that word, it's really interesting because Paul, who wrote this, is not referring to a spherical ball of dirt or planets. He's not talking about worlds or universe. This Greek word is actually the word ages. It's plural, ages or age. He says, so if you read it again, through the sun, he created the ages. If Jesus created the ages, what does that tell you about Jesus? He existed before the ages. He existed before time ever did. He is the timeless one. We see also that it says that all things are held together by him. How many things? I want you really to see this. What about what's happening over in the other parts of the world. Is God, God, where are you? Oh, no, no, he's, he's there. God, what about my life, my relationship with my spouse? It just feels like we're all constantly in our throats and I don't know what to do and I feel like we're gonna, you know, go the direction of self. I don't, God, are you involved? All things. God, what about all the tragedies that are happening or the loss of the job or the sickness in my family? What about all of these things? He is absolutely involved in all things. And the idea here in this verse is that Jesus not only created it, but now he's involved in sustaining it. He's carrying you. He's helping you. If God were to take away his loving hand, you would see what real chaos feels like. But his hands, even in the worst, in the darkest, in the loneliest, in the hardest, in the most difficult circumstances of our lives, you say, God, where are you? And he says, I'm right here. I'm holding you. He's created everything. He's upholding everything. 
One of the doctrines that is in Christendom right now is called deism. Deism is the, is the idea that God did create the heavens and the earth. That God did create that. But when he created it, he stepped back from it and is no longer involved in the universe. That he stepped back and God created it and he did his part like a, like a game master or an overlord and he just kind of created this whole thing and he had dominion over it and then he stepped back from it and now what we see is that the, the internal forces of the universe are clashing and at war and all the things that we're seeing going on is, is, is evidence that God is not involved and that God does not exist in this moment and that yeah there's a God and yes there's a universe and yes he's there but he's only involved in the things that we see that are good. Deism is the idea that God has completely pulled himself back from our lives. That God is not involved in the now. And well, if we're not careful, this deistic thought, this deism can slip into our theology. Where we begin to think, God, I don't see you in this, therefore you must not be involved. As I said earlier, the issue isn't with God's involvement, the issue is that us seeing God's involvement. And often we look at our life and say, there's no way God could be involved in this atrocity. There's no way that God could be involved in this difficulty. There's no way that God can be involved in this moment. That's a deistic thought and it's false doctrine. God is involved in every single circumstance of our lives, even when it's hard. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it feels like God is not present, he is. And we have to understand something that God is absolutely carrying us. Jesus is face to face with us. He's heart to heart with us. He's with you in that room. He's with you in that car. He's with you in your moment. He is literally carrying you right now. He is literally carrying you to your, sometimes dragging you to your destination. Look what it says in Philippians. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will Carry it on to completion. He's absolutely involved. And I'm not, I know I'm, I'm, I'm saying it over and over again, but there's a reason why. Because many of you have a belief system that God isn't involved in the hard stuff in my life. Or because what happens is we begin to ask this question, why? If God's so good and God's so involved, why? I can't speak to the answer. But what I do know is that nothing dark comes from God. No evil gift comes from God. God gives, a, God gives perfect gifts and good gifts. There is no darkness in him at all. And so if you want to attribute the trial or the temptation to God, you're missing the point. God is there to carry you through it. God is there to help you in it. God is there to partner with you. God is present and actively involved. He is not just the timeless one, but he is the sustainer of your life. Was Jesus there at creation? Yes, he was. Is Jesus involved right now? in creation? Yes, he absolutely is. And when God started creation, when Jesus created the world, how did he do it? With his word. How is he going to carry it to completion? With his word. With his written word. Say, Ryan, what's the, why do I need to read my Bible every day? Well, <laughs> this is what's going to carry you. Not only the Logos word, but the Rhema word. The Rhema word is when you're spending time in worship and the Lord speaks to you. Come on, son, you're gonna do a great job. Come on, you're not a failure. You can do this. 
Come on, I know it's been hard in your marriage, but come on, God's going to give you the strength. Come on, I know your financial situation's been hard. I know it's been hard. You know that feeling when the Holy Spirit comes to you and speaks to you and comforts you or challenges you? That's called the rhema word of God. That's the voice of God. That's the word of God. He's carrying you. He's helping you for another moment. Sometimes it's minute to minute. Sometimes it's second to second. Sometimes it's like, God, I can't literally get through this next hour without your word in my life. So I'm gonna turn to your word and I'm gonna read the most, I'm just gonna do the old like, you know what I mean? Okay, God, they kicked me around forever since I was young. What, God? <laughs> Somehow, some way, sustain me, Lord, through this word. And what you'll find is just because you put your attention, you recognize he's involved. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. So what I try to do, and Vince and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, I just try to acknowledge God in everything. His involvement is always there. But if I acknowledge his involvement, it's like it becomes more known to me. Whoa, he's involved in the fact that the ice melted. Praise God. <laughs> he, he's involved in the fact that, you know, that I, you know, I stubbed my toe and the pain went away quickly. I mean, you think, Ryan, that's ridiculous. No, 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 no. What you're teaching yourself is this. He literally is sustaining me in every step of the way. In the smallest of things, the very minute little details of how you get in the car and you run out of gas and just somehow, some way, you make it that two kilometers to get to the gas station. Thank you, Jesus. He's involved. You drive into that parking lot at Walmart and it's just terribly busy and there's chaos and accidents and life's terrible and you pull in there and there's a parking spot. Praise Jesus. See, Ryan, it seems so frivolous. No, no. If you recognize he's your sustainer, what happens is, is that when you're in the hard moments of your life, you are reminded, okay, if God's in the small, God's in the big. He's a sustainer. He carries you. He wants to carry you on to completion in your life. Why? Because he has a purpose for your life. Here's the, the, the fourth one here. He's the source. He's the beginning. And he's supreme. Look what it says. He is the head of the body of the church. Now, what Paul's doing here, he's shifting away from universal creation, like physical matter creation, and he's moving now to spiritual creation. He was talking about how Jesus was before time, and Jesus is God, Jesus is the creator, he's timeless one, he's the the sustainer. He talked more of this big idea of God coming into your life. Now, Paul shifts over to the idea of what it looks like for you and I to be created fresh, to be created new in God. And what he's talking about here with the head of the body, he's speaking to Jesus' humanity. He's speaking to the idea that when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, he experienced the death that you and I should have experienced because of our sin. But when Jesus Christ rose on the third day, that resurrection was a spiritual genesis. It was, a, 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 it was the first of what's to come. It was the starting point for what you and I will experience through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That one day when you die, you will not die. That you are seeing an example through Christ. Paul's saying that Jesus is the prototype of what humans will look like in the new heaven and the new earth, what we will experience. He is the head of the body. He is the first in the body. He is the first example of the church. He is the beginning of the church. He is the source of the church. The church is you and me, the redeemed, the transformed, those who chose to live a life for Jesus Christ. We have been made new in our spirit, have come to life afresh and anew, and now 
now we see a picture of what it will look like for you and I to be this new created prototype that looks like God. See, that's what God intended for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were this prototype. Adam and Eve were this human, this created in the very image of God to live a perfect life in perfect relationship with, with, with God. But what happened was is that God, as he still does, gave them a choice. See, Reformed theologians or Calvinists would believe that we don't have a choice, but we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus has given you and I a decision. You can serve God or you cannot. Serve God, you'll have life. Don't, you'll have death. We see here that Jesus is the example. He is the beginning. He is the first. And you and I now are the firstborn. We are the first of what it will look like in heaven. We are the first of what it will look like in the new heaven and the new earth. We are an example, a prototype of what it looks like to live this glorious life. Now, do we fail? Yeah. Do we fall short? Uh Uh-huh. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. Do we have hidden sins? Yes. Do we have presumptuous sins? Yes, we do. But guess what? Every single time we come back to Christ, we confess our sin, we turn our life to him, we are made new, restored back into that place where we, as I talked about last week, we are victorious. We have an inheritance. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. We are now seeing in Christ what we will be like when Jesus Christ restores all things as he plans to do in the end of time. We see that Jesus is the forerunner for us in Hebrews 12, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. It's talking about the new heaven, the new earth. When Christ returns in all of his glory, he establishes a new kingdom. We believe that this will happen one day, and I pray that you and I are there together in that day. Look what it says. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. We are that church of the firstborn. And he says in the scripture, that there's a purpose behind all of this. There's a purpose behind you seeing that Jesus Christ, when he rose on the third day, is an, is an example for what you and I can live. You want to know what the purpose of the resurrection is? The purpose of the resurrection for us as humans is so that Jesus Christ will be supreme in our lives. He says this in the scripture. He says, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. That word there means the first place in your life. He says, look to Jesus. If you look to Jesus, you'll see that the purpose and the goal of Christ rising from the dead, he wants to be first in your life. He wants to have all supremacy in every area of your life. He wants to have the leadership of your life and the ownership of your life. He wants to have complete supremacy. And lastly here today, we see that in this scripture, it says that Jesus is great because Jesus is our redeemer. He has reconciled everything to himself. Paul wanted to end on this because he wanted to remind them of what, what got us here in the first place. He wanted to remind them of the key reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is a really confusing statement. It's basically God saying that God is so great and God is so big uh, that he was pleased to dwell within himself, Jesus. Like God was so great and so big that he chose, instead of choosing someone else, you know what, I'll just fill myself. (laughs) It's confusing. God is so large and so big that God's going to come down and be God, but Jesus is just confusing. But all we know is this, that God came to the earth in the form of a man and had the fullness of God, and God was pleased to dwell in him. He was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ as human. 
And the scripture says here, and as we end our day time today, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. That word reconcile there in this context, it's interesting because it has a unique version of this word. It actually means to break down barriers. Break down the barriers in your life that would keep you from a personal relationship with God. And when I, when I read this, when I studied this, I was impacted by the idea of the word barrier. And sometimes the barriers in our life are just little things that we trip over. Sometimes barriers in our life are big things that we've built up. But I believe there are many people here today who are watching online and in the room who have barriers built up in their walk with God. Barriers of hurt, barriers of pain, barriers of unforgiveness and bitterness, barriers of sin, barriers in their life where they say, God, my life should have looked like this, or God, I thought you were going to do that. Barriers of why is my life turn out like this? Little things that we just tend to trip over in our walk with God, and we need to be reminded today that the purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to destroy those barriers, was to rip them down, was to reconcile you back into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Ryan, I've already given my life to God. But as you know, what happens is, even though you've given your life to Jesus Christ, guess what happens? Barriers come in our life every day. Barriers happen of sin. I sinned, or I had a bad attitude, or um, I have unforgiveness towards this person, or unforgiveness towards God, or bitterness towards how life's turning out, or what's going on. Barriers begin to grow. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Paul's saying, he came to break down those barriers. He came to forgive you. He came to give you freedom. He came to help you understand why life is the way that it is and why life's turning out the way that it is. He came to break down these barriers in your life and ultimately he came to bring you peace. He wants to bring peace to your life. I'm gonna read this last scripture here and we'll pray for each other here today. Colossians chapter one, look what it says in the, in the message paraphrase. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. So he talked about all these five things. He goes, now he brings it to you. You're a case study for this. One time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. (laughs) But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole, holy in his presence. So you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded. You stay steady in that bond of trust. Constantly tune into the message. Careful not to be distracted and not to be diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. Paul was wanting them to know that he's, he's God and he's a creator and he's a, he's a timeless one and he's a sustainer and, and he's the source and he's the beginning and he's the redeemer. He wants you to fall in love once again with the realities of who Jesus is. And this has been my fear as I've been studying this. And many of us, as God spoke to my heart when I came to Calgary the very first time in 2016, as I was driving over the back of the city, and I've said this many times, the Lord spoke so clearly to me. He said, Ryan, there's a lot of people in Calgary, and obviously it wasn't a verbatim conversation, but this is what I sensed in my spirit. There's a lot of people in Calgary who know God, but don't actually know Jesus. You might be today and you know God, Maybe you've talked about Jesus. Maybe you'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But maybe you haven't really accepted the fact that he's involved in your life or he's sustaining you or that he wants to redeem you. 
or that he created you and that you have a purpose. Maybe you're struggling with some of these things in your life and I want you to know today that is the message of Jesus Christ for you. That's the gospel of God for you. That is the, li- that is the transforming words, the transforming message that will transform your life forever. And you'll begin to live the glorious life that God intended for you. Just stand to your feet this morning. We're gonna sing a song and before we do, I just wanna pray this morning. I wanna pray this message. Would you just... Stand with me and just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we just come to you this morning, God, as we end our time. Lord, we want to know you. We want, Lord, to understand who you are. And I just pray for anyone in the room today who's got barriers. Maybe they feel like you're not involved. Maybe they feel like you're disconnected. Maybe they feel like you're distant. You're far away. You pulled your hands off of their life. Lord, we come to you today, Father, and we just say, would you reveal Jesus to us, Lord? Would you show us once again who you are, Jesus? Would you open our eyes once again to experience your love and your redemption and your mercy and your power, God? Lord, work through the stuff in our life and the barriers in our life, God. Break those things down once again. Let us come back to the first place of love with you, Jesus. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to sing just a song real quick, but if you'd like to give your life to Christ or, or you uh, are online and you'd like to do that, you can text the name Jesus to that number. We'd love to get you a Bible and tell you about who Christ is and get you on your spiritual journey. We love you guys. Come on, let's just sing this song together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.